I'm Joan Hogan, welcoming you to the Prairie Doc radio program. Rick Holm, our Prairie Doc, is unable to be with us today. I'm always fearful to say that now because most listeners know he has a health problem. He is off having a good time. He and Joni are on vacation. They're having a great time. His health is great. He's doing really well. And in his absence, I'm happy to welcome Deb Johnston, who is a family practice, family medicine physician with the Avira Medical Group Brookings. Good morning, Deb. Good morning, Joan. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you. Deb has been a, a welcome guest on our program <laughs> here For often. 20 years. It's a, uh, every time she says 20 years, I keep thinking, no. But then... <laughs> Her son is going to be a sophomore in high school, so I she's know. really getting old. I am getting old. He's driving. <laughs> oh, is he driving, uh, he too? He is driving, but oh. you've got grandchildren in college, Jones. So I you know, know, I know. We had three graduations <laughs> this month. Dad, yeah, dad, yeah. Couldn't believe How could you have three grandkids graduate and be lucky enough to have them all on a different weekend? We really lucked out. You did luck we out. We did. Yeah, we had a college graduate. The first weekend in May, last weekend we were up in Aberdeen for a high school graduate, and this weekend we have Brookings Own, Brookings, Brookings High School, high school that's with our right. Sophie graduating. Yes. So, great times. It is good times. It's just hard to believe. Sophie's supposed to be seven in my brain. <laughs> I went up to the Aberdeen graduation, and my, my granddaughter's cousin from the other side of the family, I walked in and I said, Abby, is that you, Abby? And she looked at me. The girl's 15. I'm picturing her seven. I just, I haven't seen her forever. And that happens. And especially when you get older, it happens more often. Hey, talking about old or whatever, we're just really happy to have you listening today. What's really important to us is to have questions from you come in. If you give us a call at 692-1430. As I mentioned, Dr. Johnston is a family medicine physician. She takes care of an awful lot of young kitties. She takes care of their mothers and dads, too. But and their grandparents. And their grandparents. So she has a wide range. But Dr. Holm, I know, never quite did kids. So... Um, Not he if would he could a- help it. <laughs> <laughs> he could answer questions at it, but uh, Deb is really an authority on it. So why don't she, why don't we take our first break? When we get back, we hope to have questions from you, and we'll be glad to discuss any medical issue that might be of interest to you. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Deck Radio. We're so happy to have you listening today. Dr. Holm is on vacation, and we have Dr. Deb Johnston, who is a family medicine physician with the Avira Medical Group Brookings, and Dr. Johnston is here happy to answer any questions you might have. Before any questions come in, I know you're very interested in uh, keeping our little darlings healthy, and one main re- way to do it in the summer months is to use sunscreen. Sunscreen, and it's not just the little darlings that can benefit from sunscreen. Us not so little and young people can benefit from sunscreen too. Sunscreen really ages your skin, so even if for whatever reason you're not worried about skin cancer, you really still want to protect your your skin from the sun. So sunscreen is the best way to do that, and the important thing to remember about sunscreen is that you need to reapply it. Even if you put on SPF 50, the sun actually degrades and breaks down the sunscreen. So within a couple of hours, it's all gone. So be sure that you keep reapplying it. Another tip that can be very helpful is to be sure that you put it on ahead of time. Put it on before you go home or before you leave home, before you get dressed. Give that sunscreen time to kind of bind to your skin. And that's a really important, important step. And that's often what people are doing wrong when they tell me, oh, well, I wear sunscreen and I burn anyway. They're 
either not applying, they're not using enough, you need to use a lot of it, not just a little bit, or they're, they're putting it on once they get there and then it doesn't have time to bind to their skin. Some people also will tell me that, oh, I can't wear sunscreen. It, it irritates my skin, it's oily, I don't like it, it makes me break out, so what else can you do? Well, covering up is obviously a, a good option. They have a lot of um, athletic equipment, swimming equipment, um, things that are designed to be a sunblock as Those well. Those swim shirts are Those great on kids. Absolutely. I mean, I don't see as many adults wearing them, but the kids really, and they, it's kind of cool, you know. Yep. They, and the swim shirt on either a boy or a girl just yep. covers so much of yep. them and yep. really protects them. And really protects their skin, that's right. And hats are another good thing that can help protect and, and shade your face, cover your face. Uh, I tell people, everybody's going to get cataracts. You know, if you live long enough, you're going to get cataracts. And that ultraviolet light exposure is one of the big things that, that contributes that to cataracts. Oh. So wear your sunglasses. Um, particularly make sure that you get a good quality pair that blocks a significant amount of, of the ultraviolet light. Um, don't wear just the little tiny ones that uh, are, are stylish. Wear a great big old pair that wraps around. I like to wear sunglasses that are actually designed for people with cataracts, and they have a little kind of side panel so you can see out the side, but it keeps the light from scattering in. You see those a lot edge. of times, uh, winter months, when people are... Um, snow skiing yes they'll wear the wraparound sunglasses yep. And, yep. It, and that'd be a good thing to yep. wear that'd, in the summer that'd as well. be good to wear in the summer as well so yeah. you mentioned hats and uh i was talking with my brother who has moved to florida and he was wearing this big brimmed hat and i said new look for you bill he said i got a friend who got cancer in his ear he's a yep. boater yeah he, he always wore a hat a baseball cap did his ears no good whatsoever. Yep. So a lot of boaters and people who are out in the sun a lot do know that you have to cover those ears too. Yep. Those tips of the ears, particularly in men, because men almost always have a hairstyle that leaves that tip of the ear exposed. But even in women, we often pull our hair back and our ears aren't covered. So those those big hats are, are a good thing. I've, I've had an abnormal mole removed from the tip of my ear too. So it happens. I've seen people in their 20s with melanoma. So start young and keep keep protecting your skin it's really important it's so important i think most people are aware of it but a lot of them like you say say okay i know sunscreen is important and they put it on once and they yep. just don't know why they're getting burned they need to realize that they need to do it more keep often. reapplying now i've got a grandson who really cannot he just it he breaks out he can't stand the sunscreen but his mother found an alternative. There are other screens you can put on that aren't. There are a variety of different uh, chemicals that can be used. There's a variety of different kind of vehicles, carriers that people can use. Um, people can often, when they can't tolerate a lot of these other chemicals, can tolerate zinc oxide, which is the, the when you think about the summer and the, the lifeguards with the white noses, that's the zinc oxide oh, in that. That's so what that, is. So yeah. that adds more protection that nothing is, gets through it, that nothing right? gets through that and and that's that's the thing there's two different kind of um ways that sunscreen can be beneficial and one is the chemicals that that absorb that ultraviolet light and the other is just a physical block like the the zinc oxide where okay. the light just can't get through that opaque sunscreen 
I think of that with diaper rash more than yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that, too many babies, but the zinc oxide, you know, zinc really, oxide. if you had a clean yep. little bottom on that kid and you put zinc oxide on, nothing was going to get nothing through. Nothing was right? getting really through. That's them. right. That's yeah. right. It's still useful today. Right. Well, we hope uh, all of you have benefited from this uh, discussion on sunscreen because it is so important. We're getting up in the high 80s in the, this week, and yes. the sun didn't quite break through, but it will, and it, it can be tough. And also for people who rarely get any sun exposure and then head to the south or head to a vacation and they sit in the sun all day those are the ones you really have to worry about because they probably haven't used sunscreen much yeah they they may not be in the habit of it right uh, or they think well i i want to get a tan so i'm i'm gonna go do that um but you really do need to think about it remember that even tanning is a sign of skin damage so even tanning without burning um can be hard on your skin in the long run. So, so on all of this, what do you think of tanning beds, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> just a thought, just a thought. I am not a fan of tanning beds. You're, you know, again, you're deliberately exposing your skin to ultraviolet light. I have, I have some people who have, for example, there's some skin conditions that actually get better with ultraviolet light exposure. Uh, occasionally, I'll have patients who, who go to the tanning booth once in a while during the winter because of their seasonal affective disorder. Um, you know, I guess I can see that, that there are situations where maybe you have to weigh those risks and benefits. but. Overall. Overall, tanning beds are a bad idea. Now, I have had people where I'll uh, start chiding them while they're naked on my exam table about how tan they look. And then they, they smile at me and they tell me, well, it's fake. It's a, it's a spray-on tan. So there are some spray-on tans that you can have that look looks so natural they fool your doctor when you're naked on the exam table. Wow. And that is a fruit sugar that browns on your skin so um, there's every reason to think that that should be safe for the long run so if you really think you need some color do the spray tans but remember the spray tan does not offer your skin any protection so you still need to use all those other things we've been talking about to protect your skin yeah just because you're tan doesn't mean you're not going to burn just because you look tan (laughs) certainly doesn't mean you're not going to burn okay well we're due to take our next break if you have any questions of dr johnston be sure to give us a call at 692-1430 and we'll be right back Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Bob had us laughing during the break. Uh, he remembers carrot, was it a carrot concentrate? Yeah, it was a carrot by beta carotene concentrate you could buy in gelatin capsules at health food stores that was supposed to be a, an alternative to having a tan. You'd take the pills, it would be absorbed into your body and you'd sweat it out through your skin. It would turn your or, your skin orange. Kind of looked like a tan. Kind of a tan. But the problem is, as you perspired, of course, it carried... The color. Right. And this one bride who found out the hard way at her wedding, I guess it was rather <laughs> hot that day. and her, uh, her Yeah, she had a polka dotted dress by the time she got all done. But she, she looked tan. She made it to the altar in a white dress. Yeah. And by the time the dancing came along, she was polka dotted. Very early in my career, I took care of an older woman who 
who loved carrots. She ate a, a ridiculous amount of carrots and she drank a lot of carrot juice and she actually looked jaundice. And I, oh. I kept checking her liver tests because I couldn't look at her and believe that her liver was okay <laughs> with how yellow she was and her eyes were yellow oh and it was, it was really something. So um, it's not a method that I'd recommend. <laughs> uh, carrots are good for you, but uh, all good things in moderation. Moderation does help. Oh, my goodness. Talking about moderation, we had one call that came in, and it, it's a caller who's concerned about her grandchildren and uh, video games. Do you know, that? do you know if there are any adverse medical conditions or things happening to kids because of overuse of video games? You know, this is a... a topic of a lot of conversation and not just video games but screen time in general um videos movies uh particularly social media social media probably uh has a lot more potential for psychological impact on on children than even the video games um i think there's a lot of video games out there that are uh, nonviolent and uh, constructive. My daughter loves to build these elaborate houses in Minecraft. And um, so there's a lot of things that they can learn with that. But we do have to be very careful about um, monitoring how much time they spend on those screens. Uh, depending on the age, there's various recommendations for limits to that. And just like anything else, those uh, video games can get rather addictive. Um, I think that video games probably take a disproportionate um, share of the blame for violence. Um, I think there's an awful lot of violence in our society and, and in our world, and I, I think it's easy to blame the video games when the reality is it's a lot more complex than that. Uh, if they are spending all their time on a screen, they're not spending their time doing other things. They're not spending their time being physically active. Again, there's certainly exceptions you can think of. A lot of those Wii games that have them Wii bowling and Wii dancing and, and doing all those kinds of things. That it's action. That it's action. <laughs> but at the same time, they're not out there playing real baseball with, with their friends and learning how to negotiate those social relationships. They're not developing other skills. They're not climbing trees. They're not building Legos. They're not making models or doing jigsaw puzzles or reading or any of those other things that they should be spending their childhood doing. So the key is to use some common sense when it comes to the content that they're exposed to and limit the time that they spend on the screen in the first place. And limiting that time really seems to be important. Yes. I think with younger children, very young, the if they're exposed to them, they're, they're, they don't realize the difference between um, fiction and reality. I think that that's a topic of some debate. I think that, you know, again, what they really need when they're really young is that in-person interaction. And so uh, a, a computer reading a book to them is not the same as, as an older person reading a book because um, the older person, when you read, tends to engage and interact a whole lot more. And the book can't, or the the 
computer can't have that feedback and that interaction and show me where the kitty is and what does the kitty say and kind of following up and building off on those clues that the child gives you about what they're interested in. Um, so it, it's not nearly as good an experience from a development standpoint. They don't have the physical contact of sitting in grandma's lap and reading their book. Uh, it's an isolated, solitary event. So I, I think that we really want to limit the amount of screen time that, that little, little ones get, but even, even up into high school, you know, those developing brains um, have a hard time. And, you know, kids have always been susceptible to peer pressure. They've always been susceptible to um, what the in crowd thinks and worrying about what other people think of them. And now they can't escape it. If you're on Facebook, if you're on Instagram, if you're on whatever their their medium of choice is, um, they're constantly competing for that attention and that approval, and that's and comparing comparing their own lives and their own internal lives to the polished public face of what other people present as their lives on social media, and people don't usually talk about their day-to-day -day mundane lives. They talk about the spectacular things that they're doing or sometimes the really horrible things that they're doing, um, but they don't talk about 90% of what makes up your real life. But it's hard sometimes to remember that. It's hard for adults. It's really hard for So you kids. start reading something in social media, they have a phenomenal life, and look yes. at me, I'm boring as all get out. Yep, exactly. It's just, so. I, I feel so bad for these kids today. I often say, thank goodness I raised mine. I can just sit back and smile. But <laughs> it's, it's tough to raise kids today. It is today. tough to it raise kids tough world. today. Kids have a lot that they're trying to, to cope with and, and navigate and um, often have older generations who have no real understanding of the challenges that they face. Mm-hmm. I know our, uh, one daughter teaches college up at Northern, and she is struck by the uh, mindset of some young people coming in. You know, she'll sit and she said, sometimes I feel more like a counselor than a teacher. But it's mm. just, it's amazing what worries these kids and the problems they have. And you would not have considered this 20 years ago. But yeah. kids really do have a lot going on in their mind. They do have a lot going on in their and, mind. And it scares you, too, when you see incidences of... Uh, Kids taking their own lives, you know, 18 to 20 year olds, what are they thinking? They got a whole life ahead of them and they're just done. It's just amazing. Our um, mental health infrastructure needs a lot of uh, a lot of beefing up. We don't have the services that um, that we really need and that these kids need uh, and the adults need too. It's it's a real weakness in our culture and right. our public health. Well, let's try to get on a happier topic. We're going to take our All final right. break. We'll think of something really cheerful and be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have you listening today. With me today is Dr. Deb Johnston, who is a family practice physician with the Avira Medical Group Brookings. And Dr. Holm is on vacation, having a good time, just in case you came in late and missed Dr. Holm. He is. He will be back next week. He's just enjoying himself. He and Joni are having a fine Which vacation. he should do more of. Yes, should he should. He's enjoying his time. We should all make it a priority to 
to find time to enjoy ourselves. Yeah. Oh, yes. I know what I want to talk about. What do you want to talk about? Since, since so we need people, we need people to call in and give us questions because I'm ready and eager to see what you can throw at me. But one thing I want to talk about, I don't know if you and Rick have already talked about this, is the new shingle shot. No. Okay. Tell me about the new. Yes. I think um, someone asked him about it. He said, I have to look into it. Maybe oh, that was it. Yes. So I, you have looked I into have it. I have looked into it. I'm so excited about this new shot. You know, the old shingle shot was a basically a super concentrated version of the chicken pox shot that we give to children, um, and, which has been wonderful. I can count on one hand the number of times I've seen chicken pox in my career because the chicken pox shot came out right about the time that I finished medical school and uh, has been a real boon to children everywhere. I mean, all three of us in this room, I am quite certain, had chicken pox and we all did fine with it. But every year there would be a handful of children who had serious injuries or even died as a result of chicken pox. So even though it was a ubiquitous childhood illness that most of us just considered a rite of passage, there certainly were children who had significant consequences to that disease. So the the shot has been a good thing. Once you have had chicken pox, that virus never leaves your system. It lives in the nerve roots, and then if your immune system, for whatever reason, forgets how or is distracted, not keeping it in check, so people either as they get older or if they develop diseases or we put them on medicine that makes their immune system not work so well, then the chicken pox virus can wake up shoot down those nerve endings and break out on your skin and that's what we call zoster or shingles. So in the not so distant past they developed a super concentrated version of the children's chickenpox vaccine uh, to remind your immune system about this this problem and that shot had it was certainly far from a perfect shot. First off, it couldn't be given to people who had any kind of an immune system problem. So that was a major, because those are the people that are at the Probably biggest, would need list, it. Big, yeah. biggest risk, and we couldn't give that vaccine to them. Um, second, it was only about 35% effective at preventing shingles. So even if you got the shingle shot, you still had a pretty significant risk of coming down with shingles. Now, what it was really good at was keeping you from getting the pain that wouldn't go away after shingles. And really, if I had to pick one, I'd pick not getting the not pain getting the over pain not getting sure. the shingles. So it, it was definitely a worthwhile vaccine, even though it was less than perfectly effective. The new shot is an inactivated shot, so it does not contain any live chicken pox virus. It's something that we can give to people who are on medicines that keep their immune system from working so well. And it's about 90% effective at preventing chicken pox, or not chicken pox. I'm uh, sure it would shingles. do that too, but but shingles, yes. Wow. So it is something that we don't have to worry about any exposure to the live virus. Um, it's much more effective, and we are recommending it even for people who have already had the original shingles vaccine. Not all insurance companies are covering it, so a lot of times what we're doing is sending people to the pharmacy. The pharmacy can check with their insurance, and then you can know if 
your insurance is going to help you with this vaccine or not. This one does require two shots, two to six months apart, and it's been hugely popular, far more popular than the manufacturer expected. So at the moment, there's a little bit of a shortage. But it's still a really good vaccine, and if you're over 60 you sh- or if you have those other conditions, you should definitely talk with your health care provider about that. Now, you answered a question that I was ready to ask when you were <laughs> finished talking, and that is, I've had the shingle shot yep. maybe five years ago, I can't recall when. You really re- would I recommend? Would, I would recommend this shot, too. Okay. I'm very enthusiastic and very excited about this All shot. All right. And so do I need to have my doctor write a prescription before I go to the pharmacy or can I just go directly to the pharmacy? I How believe, does that work? I believe this is one that you need a prescription for um, but most of us if it's not time for a regular visit if you were to just send in a message and say hey I've heard about this new shingle shot and I'd like to get it we'll be happy to just send in a prescription for you. Okay and if I get the prescription then I'd probably go to the pharmacy and they would let me know if my insurance exactly. is covering it. Your doctor may not know but your doctor probably will not know because okay. there's far too many insurance plans and people there. will say well I have Blue Cross Blue Shield oh and it's like saying it's like telling me I have a blue car um, okay <laughs> I'm happy <laughs> for you it, <laughs> it, it could be a big car it could be a little car it could be uh, you know the pharmacist can can send it in electronically and check with your particular plan to see what they will cover. Most private insurances are covering. We're having uh, Medicare is maybe less reliable at covering it. And that may change as um, it gets through the the process and they reevaluate their pharmacy. And uh, also may become, you said they might be running a little short. Maybe when they produce more and more and more, it'll be more likely to be covered. I think it's more a matter of time than production. Just an opportunity for the insurance companies to decide that that this is a good thing or opportunities for the government to legislate that this is something that they're required to cover. Okay. Well, that's really good news. I'm glad to hear it because I really don't want to get shingles. When you talked about your immune system going down, my one sister was widowed at 60 and six months later she had the shingles. Well, you know she was just stressed stressed and and that's the reason I got the shot she had five sisters I've got five sisters she called every one of us over and over again and (laughs) said you will get the shot I will call you next week let me know if you got I said Kathleen I do not need it you need it you will get it you need finally I just gave in and got the shot I'm glad I did high five your sister for me the next time you see her went through holy hell but yes it's not a pleasant thing to have well I hope all of you have enjoyed this program I do want to mention that tomorrow night although Dr. Holm is out of town. His uh, Prairie Doc, On Call with the Prairie Doc, will be on public television at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. And he has an interview with the Hunhoffs. I don't know if you know Bernie and My- Myra or Myrna. Myrna Hunhoff. I think it's Myrna. But he and his wife, and they're, they're pretty well known in the state, and they did a phenomenal interview with Dr. Holm appreciating the value and wellness of living in a rural community. If anyone could tell you about it, Hunhoffs could, and uh, they just had fun discussing it. It was recorded last summer. If you missed the show, it's on this summer, and I really think you're going to enjoy it. That's actually been a topic in a lot of uh, news recently about how where you live influences your wellness and your mental health so it's it's a a great topic and a timely topic well good so please uh catch that tomorrow night 
We hope you've enjoyed our Prayer Doc radio program. And uh, I really want to thank Dr. Deb Johnston for joining me today. Dr. Johnston, that's all for this week. Thanks for having me. And thank you, Bob. And uh, I'll close with Dr. Holmes' reminder. Stay healthy out there, people.